Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Y'all ain't right. That's what I like about you. That's why you're here. I ain't either. I get it. <laughs> well, welcome to Mosaic. Welcome all of you uh, online watching from different parts of the world today. Uh, we're doing a series entitled The Great Exchange. We're not doing a series on Pastor Mark Crow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but let's not. <laughs> so, <clears throat> The Great Exchange, and last week talked about out of Isaiah when he said, I'll give you beauty instead of ashes. It's a great study. If you love reading the Bible, just Google or just go search instead. Uh, we get things that we don't deserve, and this is oftentimes the biggest challenge <clears throat> with, with our relationship with God, is oftentimes we, we look at the exchanges we have with God like, that we, like we have something to bring to God of significant value and if you compare what God has and what we have what what we have would appear to be of no value but the reality is God does value what we have because he gave uh, created us gave birth if you will to who we are knowing that when you were born uh, as cute as you might have been which quite frankly most babies just aren't cute I'm just saying I mean I prayed over all five of mine looking and going Jesus please help them to look better than they look right now. But they're born with, with sin. All of us are. And so you say, well, what would I have to offer God if sin overshadows everything in my life? And that's the beauty of God is God's looking and saying, I want all the things that you would consider trash or junk, and to me, they're treasure. The old saying is one man's junk is another man's treasure. All you have to do in my neighborhood or throughout the city is, you know, go look and see what's on the curb the first Monday of every month. You know, you put something out, the trash guys don't come. By Sunday night, it's gone because somebody said, I want what you're getting rid of. And so God wants <clears throat> what you and I are trying to get rid of. He wants the anger. He wants the hate. He wants the frustration. He wants the care. He wants the concern. He wants the anxiety. That's what you have to give to God. That's a part of this incredible, great exchange. And God puts things in us, and we oftentimes don't know what we have, and we don't know what God has. And the danger of not knowing the Bible is not that because you, you know, if you don't know the Bible, you're not going to go to hell because you don't know the Bible. But hell may come to you. The idea isn't to impress God with how much Bible you read is to know enough Bible to live a victorious life. That's really what life is about. It's what knowing the Bible's about. Uh, you know, for years, you know, people would try to get you to read the Bible, and, and the idea was, you know, to be able to say, I read it, but th that's not really what it's about. It's finding out the inventory of heaven, finding out all that God has for us. Growing up, I thought all God had for me was a big paddle. I wasn't even sure I wanted to go to heaven because I thought when I get there, he's going to spank me as bad as my daddy did. And because uh, if, if my daddy knew what I did, then God knew everything I did. And so if you were to ask me what the inventory of heaven was when I was young, as I just thought God was a, a cosmic dictator, you know, that, and uh, 
that there was really nothing from God that I, I really wanted because I just couldn't see how God could want to give me anything of any value. And a lot of people in the world still view God as a cosmic dictator, that he's angry and when he comes back, he's going to sort things out and he's going to sort you out and he's going to mess you up and all of those things. And that's a wrong inventory uh, of who God really is. So the whole idea of this uh, series is to really know what God wants to do. He said, I want to give you beauty instead of ashes, instead of this mourning that you're going through, an oil of gladness, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. God said, these are the things I want to give you. What you have to offer me is your heaviness. What you have to offer me is your mourning. What you have to offer me is your ashes. And God says, I want those, and then I'm going to exchange those for things that are going to make your life incredible. And you know, the old saying is, well, I don't deserve it. That's the beauty of the grace of God. And a lot of people don't like to talk about grace because they think if you talk about grace, then you'll abuse grace. The reality is, maybe some people do, but, but the, when we talk about grace, we're, we're acknowledging that any good that happens to us, any exchange that comes our way with God is nothing but grace. And when you understand that, you'll never abuse grace because you value grace. You understand grace. And that's what I want to talk about today because God put seeds in us. He put a harvest in us. He put an inventory in us. And so we can give him bitterness uh, for his betterness. Uh, you know, some people are bitter today, just bitter and just angry and full of hate. And all you have to do is say, God, I don't want these things in my life. I don't want these things in my life. And, and you have to sometimes even say it out loud to get yourself to hear it. December 17, 2015 was one of those, those moments for me at 9 o'clock in the morning. I, I was just miserable, man. I just, I, I'd been through so much. And, and finally, I said, God, I just don't want to feel this way anymore. And you would have thought, I mean, I, I, in my heart, I heard God say, well, uh, I, I, I'm glad you finally told me. Because he's given us a free will. You have a free will. I have a free will. And, and that you have to articulate to God the things you want to let go of. You don't go buy a car by looking at a guy. You pull up, see a car for sale. You look at each other. You never exchange words. And you write a check. No, you talk about it. You, you get to know about it. And then you do the purchase. And when we talk to God, it's about bringing clarity to the atmosphere, to the spiritual atmosphere and saying, God, I know what you have to offer me. You've got betterness for my bitterness. You've got hope for my hopelessness. And, and so God wants to give us those things. But it comes with a conversation, which we call prayer. And, and prayer scares a lot of people because well, I don't know how to pray. You know how many times I've said, asked people to pray, I don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? Then you know how to pray. Because God's not looking for King James here, all right? Amen. Cleveland is. Anyway, so all the basketball fans, I guess, come at 11. <laughs> what does that mean? Come on, man. Y'all need to get savvy on your sports. Seriously, bless you. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. And an exchange with God is not a one-time experience. This is why we don't pray once and done. A lot of my prayer with God is conversational prayer. It's, it's, not even, it's not even like, you know, some people have a prayer list, and that's good. That's fine. God, remind me. These are the things I want to pray for every day. You know, I, I want to pray for my kids every day. I want to pray for my grandkids every day. 
I want to pray for you every day. And, and I want y'all to pray for me every day. I want y'all to pray for me three times every day. You're terribly slow this morning. <laughs> Lethargic body. of, <laughs> But, you know, it's a daily exchange of, of, of God. Here's, here's my life. If you look at Daniel, three times a day he went, opened the door of uh, the windows and prayed to God and had a conversation with God, if you will. In Galatians 6, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. You see, not only is your future in your hands, but your present is in your hands. And we, every day, sometimes have to exchange kindness for anger. How many times do you get in a line at the store and you think this is going to be a quick line and then there's a price check. And the item is not even sold by that store. Somebody brought it in because they can't find it anywhere. And I don't know if that works on you. It works on me. So a part of my exchange is what I do now is I go find the longest line and get in it. Why? Because I'm working on me. Because I'm a get-or-done kind of guy. And so I don't want to be, so I exchange the anxiety, I exchange that emotion, I exchange that and say, God, I want to demonstrate grace. I've had more than one occasion somebody say, I'm so sorry. I said, you know, when I'm standing here in an air-conditioned building and everything's grand, take your time. I mean, I'm old enough to say, can we slow this earth thing down a little bit? It's spinning way too fast right now. And so, you know, we get in a hurry and we have to exchange that anxiety. And that's really what it is when you're in a hurry. You're anxious or you get anxious and you can trade that for just calm. Hey, you might, you might meet somebody in that line that changes your world if you'll take the time. And so we have to determine how we're going to use the inventory that God has put in us. Now, God didn't put anger in you. He didn't put a spirit of fear in you. He said, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. And he tells us you can be angry, but don't sin. Angry, anger is a secondary emotion born out of something else, frustration, fear, all those kinds of things. That's all anger is. It's not a primary emotion. It's the result of something else going on down beneath uh, all of that in our lives. And so we have to understand we are responsible for the harvest in our lives. Now turn to Genesis because everything is about a seed. Everything begins with a seed. Some of you that have been hopeless, something good happened, something really minor good happened, and it became a seed in your life where you began to look at that and go, wow, if that happened, maybe something else good can happen, or maybe something better can happen. And all of a sudden, it begins to expand our vision about what is possible with God. In Genesis 8, 22, it says, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. In Genesis 9, 1, it says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And so God, again, begins to talk about being fruitful in our lives. Now, we know that he was talking about procreation and expanding uh, creation, but it all begins with a seed in you, 
a seed of hope. And some of you had negativity dumped into your life when you were kids and seeds of hopelessness and and negativity and fear and unbelief and doubt and the world is out to get us. Nothing good ever happens to our family. And all you've done is you've continued to sow those seeds into your life, into your future, and into where you are now. And in exchange, you get all of the weeds and the thorns and all the things that come with that kind of thinking. And it's time for you to trade up and exchange those things for something far better. To begin to declare what you would like to have instead of what you're holding in your hand, God has put seed in your heart. There's a deposit of faith. It's near you. Even in your mouth, it is near you. It is so easy to talk yourself out of what Jesus died you into. And that's exactly what happens. When you continue to hear things in your mind as a result of the things you say, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you think fear comes? Fear comes by hearing. And hearing by the seed of man. And so you have to encourage yourself in the Lord and get around people who will encourage you. Don't get around people who will tell you how bad things are and how bad they're going to get. So first, know what God has to exchange. Know what God wants to exchange. The Bible says that all good and perfect gifts come from God. God is a good God. Not just is God a good God, but the Bible doesn't even say God loves. It says God is love. He is the personification of love, and as a result of that, out of himself, he loves. Why? Because love is who he is. And so we need to know first that God is love. And some of you watching online never heard this before because the the media and other outlets always place blame on God. Well, you know, something bad happens. It's an act of God. Really? I think creation was an act of God. All the beauty of the mountains and the oceans and the flowers and all of those things are acts of God. All the things that we experience that are devastating are the acts of fallen man. Had mankind not eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there would be no tornadoes. Can't blame that on God. So couldn't God stop it? Well, man chose to exclude God from being a part because we decided we knew best. So we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the result is what we see today is fallen mankind. But we have a redeemer. And that's when we lose hope, when we look around and say these are acts of God. No, they're the result of man defying God. Now, if you love, whatever you sow, the Bible says you reap. So if you sow seeds of love and kindness to others, you're eventually going to experience love and kindness. The problem is you may want it from people who will never give it to you. You're looking in the wrong places. Sometimes you just need to deep six the people who are never going to do it. I didn't say kill them or bury them. Nowadays you've got to qualify everything you say. Well, he said deep six, six feet under. No, I'm just saying sometimes... You are, you are sowing in one field, and, and the harvest doesn't come there, and you see it doesn't come, but God's got another field over here that says, you may have sown here, and you thought it was going to come from here, but it's going to come from another field. And you have to be willing to move on. You have to be willing to believe that your harvest is somewhere. 
And you and I are sowing seeds. Now, you know, there are type A personalities, and some of you, how many of you are type A? Lift your hand if you're type A. Thank you. All the rest of you pray for us. Um, you know, honestly, man, type A people are like, the world wouldn't be turning if it wasn't for us. So you didn't think I was going to throw you under the bus, did you? Well, I just did. You know, we are those people. And so I, my life, I've had to find myself tempering things and saying things just, most things really don't, I won't say don't matter, but they're not that important. The most important experience that you will have on earth involves other people. Most ex important experiences always involves other people. So ask yourself, how am I treating other people? How patient am I? Because patience is a part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so you can exchange your impatience for patience. I'm pausing to see how patient you are. You can exchange your impatience for patience. So instead of being impatient, be patient. I, uh, I can now do that. I can now be late. never a part of my DNA <laughs> I mean I was I wasn't even fashionably early I was unfashionably early people go we ain't even taking a shower yet <laughs> well, I know we invited you over for dinner but that you know that was an hour later than now <laughs> didn't want to be late <laughs> plus I'm hungry anyway Isaiah 61 7 this just gives you an idea of who God is again Instead of, let's see these words again, instead of shame and dishonor, you will inherit a double portion of prosperity and everlasting joy. A couple things I want you to see there. Number one, it says you will inherit. The word inherit, it doesn't mean you'll work for it. It doesn't mean that, that you've done anything to deserve it. It means that you are positioned somehow in the will of God is like a living will or a living trust that you might have on earth that when my father died almost three years ago, um, I had prepared for him. I have an older brother and younger brother, but, but I had completed a living trust for him. He had had a will, and I went to him, and I said, Dad, I said, you know, this is really going to be difficult when you pass away because it'll have to go through probate, and the court system will then have to address or figure out uh, who the heirs are uh, of your estate. And, and so what you desire will have to be, we'll have to bring a third party in. And I said, so if you'll let me, I'll pay for it, and uh, we'll do a living trust. And we did. And this was probably two years, this was before we even knew that my dad would be diagnosed with cancer and, and pass away rather quickly. And so, uh, so there are a couple years had gone by, and before he passed, he had bought a new car, and uh, he failed to think about the car was not in the trust. So when he passed away, there was one possession he had that was not in the trust, and my older brother and I had to go to Tulsa, had to hire an attorney, had to schedule a court date to go before the judge and prove that we were the son of J.H. Crow. 
All of that for one car. Now, we didn't buy the car. We didn't deserve the car. But because we were his sons, we inherited everything he had. It was our relationship with him that brought us his possessions. In the same fashion, it's our relationship with God that brings us what God has. And so it says, instead of shame, instead of disgrace, it says you will inherit. Why? Because you have positioned yourself into the will of God. And that whenever you do that, it's your position in Him. And it says you will inherit not just what you had. What did you have to offer? Shame and disgrace. He said, I'm going to take your shame and I'm going to take your disgrace, and I'm going to make you prosperous, and I'm going to give you everlasting joy. Now, I want you to listen. My, my father grew up in a family of 12, extreme poverty, didn't have his first pair of shoes till he was five years old. He began working when he was in eighth grade, had to drop out of school, and he was a hard, hard worker. And my father's mentality was that he would never be poor again. He would never uh, have to his family, me, my brothers, experience what he experienced. But my father was also afraid of wealth. He was also afraid of having too much. He would always talk about just didn't he? I just don't want too much. He was a, ended up being a very very brilliant man. He could do anything with his hands. Very gifted, very uh, talented, but he he always had an issue with the blessing of God. He was always made to feel less than. And as a kid, the reason I had challenges with the local church, because I saw how hard my dad worked, and my dad had some habits, and uh, he he loved to smoke a cigar on the on the golf course. Never bothered me. Still doesn't bother me as long as it's a good smelling one. But the church at that time didn't embrace cigars. How I many you know there's still some out there that don't? And you say, well, what do you think? I think if you can handle it, handle it. It's just to me we've made issues out of things that are non-issues. And it caused my dad to not even go to church for the longest of time because he just didn't feel accepted. And so as a result of that, my dad was the kind of guy that really was more afraid of God than had a relationship with God. Now, he was born again. He accepted Christ. But his inventory of God was filtered through the religious doctrines of man. And quite frankly, there's not one of us in here that could stand up today and give a list of reasons that we deserve anything from God much less heaven. So if we acknowledge that and we understand that we are simply in position to inherit based on relationship, not because I did a lot of good things for my dad, so dad, you owe me. He owed me nothing. See, the mentality of an entitled world says somebody owes me. The only thing we owe each other is love. That's all we owe each other. Nobody owes me anything. 
And when you live that way and you realize that if you'll position yourself in the will of God and you allow God to be God and you believe that his inventory has the very best for you and you say, God, I really, here's all I have. I have anxiety. I have a temper. I have anger. I have forgiveness issues. See, this gets close to, hi, darling. How are you? You may be the best thing that's happened all morning. Come and give me five. Yeah, come on. Come on, give me five. I sure love you. All right. But when you understand that all you have to really offer God is just a bunch of mess, so but why would God want me? Because God wants your mess. That's the reason Jesus came. He became a human vacuum cleaner. I'm going to come and clean up all y'all's mess if you'll just submit yourself to me. It's all you got to do is surrender yourself to me. Quit trying to make excuses. Well, you know, God, my dad had a temper, so I got one too. You know, it runs in the family. And and all you're doing is pointing out your natural genetics instead of his supernatural forgiveness and saying, God, there is no excuse. I want you to know I'm a mess, and I want you to have my mess. I want you to have my anger. I want you to have all the things in my life that are keeping me from your very best because I want to inherit all that you have. I want to inherit all that you have. And so uh, exchange is offered. It's not required. You've been given the opportunity to walk in the light. You can choose to walk in the darkness if you want to. God's not mad at you. You see, oftentimes, well, you know, I just can't get it right. God must not love me. God loves you as much in your worst as he does in your best. This is not about whether or not God loves you or God's inventory is going to change for you. It's not about that. It's about us understanding the inventory of God is that God so loved the world that he gave And and that's what God continues to do. You've been offered heaven. You've been offered the light of the world. God is initiating exchange today. And so we must posture our thinking for that exchange. If you don't want anything from God, that's fine. God's not mad at you. And you probably won't get it. Not because God's not holding it out to you, but because you're not receiving it from him. I had to break a lot of mentalities. Now, my dad was a great guy, and I'm thankful for him. I really am. He taught me a lot of things. But the one thing my dad didn't teach me was the idea that God wanted me to be blessed. And I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking about I just want joy. I want peace. I don't want drama. I mean, those are things to me that give me those things, man. It doesn't take a lot for me. I just want the peace of God. So what do I need to give him? My chaos. I need to give him my chaos. I need to give him my issues. I need to give him my insecurities. I need to give him my cynicism. I need to give him all these things so that he can give me what he wants to give me. So now you've got to not only do an inventory of what God has, you have to do an inventory of what you have. What do you really have? I'm not going to give you my list. I don't want you to give me your list. I want you to give your list to God. Look, I know what my list is. I'm working on it. I try to trade every day with God. I try every day to trade with God. There are issues that we deal with. I, uh, I've got, in my neighborhood, there's a house on the opposite side of me that's it's uninhabited. The people, I was foreclosed on. 
And this summer, it's been mowed twice. And I, I, no, I got to tell you guys, you guys know me. You know, I, I, I just kind of like it mowed. I mean, at least, you know, maybe. And so I, I called the Homeowners Association. I, very, I was polite. I really was. I, a matter of fact, if I'd have had a mower, I'd have mowed it myself. And, uh, but I have somebody mow my yard. The guys, same guy's been doing it forever. And, and so, but a part of me, you got to understand, I didn't want to get mad, and I didn't. And, and you know what? Here's what happened. I called the first time it was mowed, second time. And then the other day, I noticed not only did it get mowed, they edged. And I didn't even ask. I went outside, and I looked over there, and the guys were unloading. I went, come on, Jesus. I didn't even call this time. I mean, I thought the guy that I've been calling the, the president of the Homeowners Association, he and I are old buddies now. We'll probably do Thanksgiving together. I, 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 but I was just nice. I just said, you know, hey, I think this is a an hazard. It's hot. It's dry. It could burn, you know, and it could. But but I was just I just I just got to tell y'all, I'm just bragging right now. Because you have no idea what I wanted to do. I thought, you know, this is just wrong on a lot of levels. But instead of that, I said, God, I'm going to exchange the feelings of anxiety. I'm just going to exchange those today for trust. I trust God that you got this thing in hand. Because some of y'all, come on, man, let's face it. You got bosses. You need to exchange your desire for them to go to hell. <laughs> for them to go to heaven. <laughs> Come on, man. Somebody said, how did he know that? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You, you, you gotta, you've got to look and say, what's in me? Is bitterness in me? Is hopelessness in me? Is anxiety in me? What's my inventory? Is faith in me? What, what's in me today? And so it says in 2 Corinthians 5, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. To God. So first, I have a mind. Now, just listen to this. Having a mind is different than having a brain. Uh, scientists uh, say that they're, they're similar, and they, they say they're one, but then they say the difference is a brain has blood and vessels, and, and it's substance. A mind isn't. The Bible doesn't say we have the brain of Christ. It says we have the mind of Christ. And so that means that it's capable to be shaped and formed. You can't see it. It's invisible. But the thoughts therein determine the behavior they're out. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So I have to look and say, what do I have to offer, God? I have a mind. And the Bible says that we're to renew our minds by the washing with the water of what? The Word. So the reason we get the Word of God in us is the Word of God tells us the inventory of God. What God is thinking, what God wants us to do, what God has for us. And he says, if you sow, you're going to reap. So God says, you know what, I'm all about this exchange. If you sow love, I'm going to give you love. If you sow trust, I'm going to give you confidence. If you sow things, you're going to reap. That If you're kind, you're going to reap kindness. So you, if you're asking, why, doesn't, why don't I have friends? Are you showing yourself friendly? Why aren't people nice to me? Are you nice to people? And I know what some I'm always nice to people. I just get run over all the time. Maybe you're not nice in your heart. Ooh. That stung just a little bit, huh? 
See, I want, it all comes out of here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is not about behavior modification. This is about a heart transformation. I don't want to just do right things. I want to think right things. If I think right things, then I can do the right things. Just because I do the right things doesn't mean I think the right things. So if I'm nice to somebody and complain about it, am I really nice? If I do something for somebody but complain about it, am I really doing it with the right heart? Just thoughts. Salvation instead of sin, blessing instead of curse that God will give to us. He said, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. He says, now choose life. He says, I've given you the exchange, but now you have to think in your mind and behave in such a way that that exchange happens. I've given you poverty, or you've, you have poverty for prosperity. Now, folks, this is the tough one right here for a lot of people because you've heard the secular world beat up the church, beat up preachers. And let me just tell you, the reason a lot of people don't prosper is not because they don't want to and they're not skilled or they do it quietly because they don't want anybody to criticize them. If somebody criticizes you for being blessed, let them criticize you. 3 John 2, I would above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. This is why I said do a soul inventory. If your soul is not prospering, you will never handle the external prosperity because the internal soul is not capable. So 3 John, John's saying, look, I want you to prosper, but I want your soul to prosper first. So you can be mean and rich and your life is miserable and everybody else's is. God wants you to be happy and blessed. And, you know, I mean, I, I just, every now and then, God does this strange stuff with me. I, I, it's like a soul test. I was getting off at MacArthur going west, off the Kilpatrick Turnpike, and there's a homeless guy there that, you know, and, and some of you beat up on homeless people, or you say, well, you know, I hear they have pools and they make more than me. I don't really care what they do. I don't care if they make more than me. I don't care if they have a swimming pool. It's not about that. It's about hearing the voice of God and obeying the voice of God. And I'm sitting there, and you know how you just want to look away or act like you're on your cell phone, but when you have Bluetooth, you have to fake it. And, uh, you know, so I'm sitting there going, ah, but this guy got my, caught my eye. And I'm third car deep. The light is red until Jesus comes back. And it's just one of those, you know, like God saying, do something. So I, I, I carry some loose dollars in a compartment, so I get them out and give them to him. And I'm turning the corner, and I'm on my way to Earl's Barbecue. And maybe they'll give me a free one if you're watching, Earl. All right, now. But so I'm on my way, so I go eat, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to buy him lunch. I'm thinking, it wasn't the money buying him lunch. It was the pain of having to order it and then go back to that stinking stoplight and hope it's red. (laughs) Now I'm hoping it's red. (laughs) So I got to give this guy lunch. I can't do a drive-by here. You know, it's... Yeah, you like that, didn't you? You're cool. And so you can't do that. And so I, I, I go, I buy this guy lunch, and they sack it up to go. I go back to the corner. He's not there. And now I'm going, God, what up? I know you told me to buy this guy lunch. So then I go over to the quick stop. They're right there on the corner. I go in actually to the store, convenience store, because I'd given him money, so I thought maybe he's there. I go in, I say, the guy said, can I help you? I say, I'm looking for a homeless guy. What an idiot. 
Now I'm looking for a homeless guy. He's not looking for me. And he said, no, I know who you're talking about. I ran him out the other day. You might go check Starbucks. So I go to Starbucks. Before I know it, I'm on a homeless hunt. I never found the guy. So I had it the next day. All that to say this, it wasn't about the homeless guy. It was about the heartless guy. Mark Crow, do you have a heart? Do what I say. It's not the result or the outcome. It's about you being willing to do it. Sow it and grow it. And it's just weird. I didn't even know this. So I turned. What I didn't tell you was somebody from our church was behind me. I got the mosaic sticker on my car and saw me give the dollar. And he pulls up beside me and he stops right in the middle of everything. Looks at You know how you can tell somebody's looking at you? And that like there are three car empty spots. You're in one lane. They're in the other. And he stopped. I'm like, who is this guy? So I look up and he. I didn't even know who it was until I looked. And, but, but all that to say, God said, see, somebody's watching you. And he was. He saw me give the buck to the guy. Like I bankrupt myself. And God said, I didn't want a dollar. I want you to feed the guy. So I got myself a meal coming sometime here. But no, you see what I'm saying? I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, I'm like you. When I'm sitting at these lights, half the time I'm just like, I feel embarrassed, I feel awkward, I feel, you know, and, and I try my best to say, what I do now is I say, God, what, what, what do you want? What do you want? What can I sow? What, what do I have in exchange? So you, you, have, you have a mind, you have a will, and you have to surrender that will to God. I think I, there's so many stories of the Bible, I'm not going to have time to tell you, but the fact is this. Ask yourself, what do I have? You remember the woman with just just a, just a, just a little bit of oil and God, you know, Elijah said, "Go get go get all these pots." It didn't look like much until she said, "This is all I got," and all of a sudden, all the pots are filled. They just kept pouring oil. Just be committed to surrender to the will of God, whatever that is. You're not responsible for the outcome. I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm simply responsible for the obedient act. And then you leave it with God. That's what I have in exchange. And then lastly, keep on sowing. Don't ever stop. It's every day. Keep exchanging. It's been said that you can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of apples in a seed. You can open an apple up today. You can lay it out and cut it up, and you can count the number of seeds, but you cannot count the number of apples in each one of those seeds. You never know what the outcome is going to be. And so we have to continue that's the reason people say, well, you know, I did this this year. I did that. I did, you know, I just challenge us to continually be exchanging. Exchanging, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to exchange my faith. I'm going to give you faith instead of doubt. And, uh, you know, God, I, I just want to trust you. I want to believe in you. And uh, keep, keep declaring you know, as you water your plants, your words water your faith. Your words water your, your trust, your positive. They water them. Don't let negativity, this culture of this church, if, if, if there's anything I want to maintain here, is, is a, a culture that is filled with faith, filled with love, filled with encouragement. Because we all make mistakes. We all have issues in our lives. And if you throw rocks, you better put on a metal suit. Because that's what happens. When you sow, you reap. 
If you judge, you'll be judged. So the fact is, folks, what we have to exchange is marvelous. We've got all these things in us that God said, if you'll do the things I do, you'll experience the things that I have for you to experience because I have an inventory for you. Keep expecting. James 1 says, but when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful man or a doubtful mind is as unsettled, not a doubtful brain, is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Do an inventory of what God has. When you read the Bible, read it in such a way. Say, God, who are you? Every time I read the Bible, you say, I know who God. I've read it through numerous times. But I read it to remind myself of who God is, what he has for me. Then when I read it, I say, God, show me the things in my life that are keeping you or keeping me from experiencing your inventory. Am I holding on to my inventory? How many of you know something? If you're going, if you have a limited amount of space in a warehouse, if you're going to put more in it, you have to get rid of some things that are already there. If you want God to put things in you that are greater than what you currently have in you, get rid of the things that are keeping God from bringing his blessing. See, sometimes when we hoard things, God says, you know, if you'd get rid of that, I'd give you something even better. Let go of those things that are preventing you and restricting your capacity to be who God's called you to be. Let's pray. Father, today we know that you have great things for us in trade for some of the horrible things we have in our lives. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here today without Christ in your life. And you say, man, I don't have anything to give him. You have your sin. He'll give you salvation instead of sin if you'll give him your sin. He'll give you beauty for ashes. God wants to trade up with you. He wants you to have more blessing instead of cursing. And those of you watching online, speaking to you as well, let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, today I repent of my sin and I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Today I'm forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.